Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. And may they be in keeping always with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. This is Nanette, the voicemail recording began innocently enough before descending into something resembling desperation. If you've called and left a message, then I have received it and I will get back to you. Do not call me again. If you need help filling out the licensing form, you really need to go to the website. I can't help you. Don't call me again. I'd called the number while handling some routine business but then nothing is routine anymore. Some of us have forgotten to an extent how to interact with each other after so many months in relative isolation. Some folks are more comfortable hiding behind a voicemail message than actually talking to someone. And as we begin moving back into the public square, going to backyard cocktail parties or meeting friends at a restaurant or coming to church, we may be a little unsure of ourselves. Should we leave our masks on or take them off? Should we extend a handshake or dare I say a hug? And what are we supposed to talk about anyway after a year of doing nothing but trying to survive? Oh my goodness, how are you? It's so good to see you. Oh, I'm good, I'm good. You probably aren't all that good, really. But, you know, that's what you say. For those of us who are introverts, this is even more awkward. Look, we were never great at small talk to begin with. And at the height of the pandemic, I found myself reverting to my worst instincts, a bit like Nanette, isolating myself even more than I had to. Some people got out of shape because the gym closed down. Likewise, my social skills have atrophied a little because I haven't flexed those muscles in a while. Even as normality crumbled in the first few days of the pandemic, introverts everywhere quietly rejoiced. We were as horrified as anyone by the sickness and chaos unfolding around us, but the world had finally shifted into our paradigm. Personal space became clearly defined at six feet. No one expected us to leave the house, and the masks gave us some anonymity a place to hide in plain sight. But contrary to popular belief, introverts need to be around people too. We crave friendship, face-to-face -face interaction, even a hug once in a while. We just need more time by ourselves to recharge our batteries is all. And after a few weeks, I was as ready as anyone to get back to normal. I have, would have relished the opportunity to give any one of you a hug or a handshake, but normal was nowhere to be found. I wanted to be around other people again, but I worried that I was slowly forgetting how to be around other people. The more time I spent in isolation, the more alien and strange other people seemed. Or perhaps it's more accurate to say that I felt alien and strange, as if I was forgetting how to speak a common language, the words slipping from memory, as if I'd worn this mask for so long that it had become a part of my face. The spaces between us have grown over the past year, much wider than six feet apart. 
There is an otherness about other people that we must always reconcile with. Even as Isaiah forces himself to speak in the presence of these angels that are nothing like him. You see, biblical angels weren't the type that you see on Hallmark cards or Renaissance paintings. They were inhuman, alien creatures inspired by the human form but scarcely resembling it. According to various ancient writings and traditions, including the Bible, angels were often covered in eyes, floating amidst interlocking, rotating wheels, their multitudinous wings wrapped around themselves and keeping them aloft in the air. As the prophet Ezekiel describes them, their entire body, their rims, their spokes, their wings, and their wheels were full of eyes all around. Oh, and they were also usually on fire. The seraphim angels that Isaiah encounters are a particular class of the angelic order, glorious beings who reside near the top of the celestial hierarchy. The seraphim, also known as the burning ones, are described in some detail in this passage, which mentions that they have six wings. What the text does not tell us, according to rabbinic tradition, is that they also have four faces, each one on a, one side of its head. Now that may sound strange on the face of it, pun intended, and it is, but we all have different masks that we wear, different faces that we show the world, masks that we wear beneath the masks that we wear. It adds to the challenge of human interaction as our different personas shift in and out of focus, some of them connecting with each other in beautiful ways and others clashing, creating awkward tension between us. Sometimes it's a divide that can seem impossible to cross, but for the grace of God. So it was for Isaiah, faced with these glorious creatures who were so far behind, beyond his comprehension that they might as well have been God. So it is for us as we try to relate to one another again, after being apart, after wearing these masks for so long. There's an old short story by Nathaniel Hawthorne that I've always been fond of. It's called The Minister's Black Veil. It's the story of an old congregational church back in the 1600s. The congregation is mystified, perhaps a little horrified, when the preacher shows up for church on Sunday wearing an opaque black veil over his face, a mask for all practical purposes. He makes no mention of it, just carries on with the service as if nothing unusual is going, going on. And at first, people just think that he's being eccentric. They think that this is some kind of weird gimmick, a joke, perhaps, that went over their heads. I suppose it's the sort of thing I might do. I've certainly done stranger things up here in the pulpit, from wailing on a harmonica to having conversations with a Pastor Seth puppet. Let it never be said that I am above resorting to cheap gimmicks. And this past year, I took that variety show on the road, producing a web series of increasingly bizarre and occasionally demented videos that I innocuously called Fireside Chats. The whole idea behind these fireside chats was to help people stay connected to the church even if we couldn't see each other face to face. At least you could tune in every week to see mine. 
I'd always intended to keep these light and cheerful in the midst of what felt like a really dark time. But it didn't take long, maybe five or six episodes, before I jumped the proverbial shark and things got really weird. I found myself dressing up in costumes, doing slapstick routines, and hurling a life-size dummy off the roof of the church. And I'll tell you, whenever I was filming in a public place, I was always terrified that I was going to have to explain myself to someone. Now, inevitably, that happened several times. I can remember, as some of you may recall, dressing up like a scarecrow around Halloween and dancing down the street in front of my house when I rounded the corner and nearly walked into some poor guy. Imagine just trying to take a nice little stroll after dinner and colliding with a dancing man dressed in scarecrow rags, gesticulating wildly, dancing to a tune that only he can hear. I'm lucky he didn't call the police. Then there was the time I was filming at the park wearing a gas mask, and these two kids asked me if I was a YouTuber and how many subscribers I had. When I told them it was about 300 or so, one of them replied, oh, clearly disappointed. And about two weeks ago, I spent half the day driving around looking for a place to film where no one would bother me. I needed a, a quiet, desolate location to film a little post-apocalyptic homage, a short film about scavenging for toilet paper in a world where it really did run out all those months ago. I finally settled on a spot behind an abandoned gas station, hoping that no one would see me or ask what I was doing, because let's face it, it's kind of embarrassing to be caught shoving rolls of toilet paper into a duffel bag on the side of the road. Now sure enough, as I'm setting up my tripod, a woman from the gardening store across the street tentatively makes her way over and asks me if I'm a land surveyor. Now bear in mind, I'm dressed in a leather jacket with one sleeve torn off, leather pants and biker boots. The trunk of my car is open, filled with about three dozen rolls of toilet paper. I want to ask her if I look like a land surveyor. <laughs> but instead I tell her, oh no, this is just something I have to do for work. <gasps> oh my, she gasps, suddenly noticing all of the toilet paper in my trunk, right next to the aforementioned life-size dummy that I keep in there. What do you do? <laughs> I'm a pastor, I explain, which of course explains nothing. <laughs> In truth, I was embarrassed, but maybe I shouldn't have been. Even though I was wearing a ridiculous costume, I was being myself, my weird, quirky, strange self. And you should never be ashamed of the person God made you to be. In the minister's black veil, the preacher continues showing up to worship in this mask. And in the days and weeks that follow, folks in the congregation come to the chilling realization that he never takes it off. Now, I'm not saying that now is the time to take our masks off in a literal sense, although I did tell you that just this morning, I suppose. But, uh, you know, there's still a time and a place. But in a figurative sense, yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. As we come back together, maybe we can dispense with the proverbial masks we wear. When we see each other again, maybe we can be honest and vulnerable. Maybe we can be ourselves. Oh my gosh, how are you? I'm really struggling. This year's been really hard. 
That's not what you're supposed to say. But imagine what might happen if you did. As Christians, we believe in the Trinity, one God and three persons, a divine relationship. And God desires a relationship with us, too, which is why Jesus not only came to earth, but sat down and broke bread with us. We are called to be in genuine relationship with each other because life really is better in community. I often speak in my prayers about the spaces between us. I invoke the Holy Spirit to move in the spaces between us. I bless communion, praying that the table will fill the spaces between us. I pray for peace, hoping that God will flood the spaces between us with grace. On the other side of that empty space, maybe you and I aren't so different. And maybe we are, and that's okay. But we'll never know until you show your true face and say, as Isaiah told the angels, here I am. Amen.